Why niggas? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Niggas is a brand. Allen Houston. Niggas mean Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. Good morning, everyone, on this Friday, September 25th edition of the Nickish Show. This is a Nickish cup of coffee. Way early in the morning, you got your boys, Mo and Nafi, here. Ready to talk about whatever's going on in the NBA and the New York Knicks. Again, if you guys haven't checked us out, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube at Nickish Show. Check us out on Sportscaster. We got live streams going on there. And we're we're always ready to talk ball. Uh, a lot happened this week. Unfortunately, there are there are some bad news that happened. We saw we saw what happened with the result of the Breonna Taylor investigation. There were no indictments made. I'm gonna pass the mic on to to my man Nav because I know he had a he had a few words that he wanted to share. Um, obviously, no one no one was happy about the decision about the decision that was made, and we see the way justice is apparently served in this country. But uh, Nafi, I'll let you take it away from here. All right. Good morning. I mean, obviously not too good of a good morning after the aforementioned news from yesterday. But um, my quick thoughts on that, because uh, we, we are a cup of coffee. We're trying to keep this the, the short episode. I mean, we could expand upon it on our Sunday edition. But my quick thoughts aren't that are like the Breonna Taylor indictment. Um, That's probably just exhibit A of the system working exactly as intended. You know what I mean? And that's the fucked up part. So, you know what I mean? Like... We got the the Kentucky Attorney General is a, is a black man that happens to be a straight up Trump supporter that is has done photo sh- like photo ops of Trump that has done as much as he can to ingratiate himself to fucking Trump and his supporters, and this man is like refuses to na- like name who is in the jury or like call out w- the makeup of the jury, which to me tells me it was probably an all white jury in Kentucky, which he selected. He refuses that as of this point to release the evidence that they presented to the jury. So for all we know, and given how the fucking the indictment came down, it was probably a limited pool of evidence anyway. But that's speculation. But it's just like we've been here before. You know what I mean? Those of us that are probably listening that are skeptical of this fucking point, like where what country have you been living in for like the last four hundred years? This is exactly how it works. You know what I mean? Like we going all the way back to recent times, the Trayvon Martin case. You know what I mean? Like. Michael Brown's case in Ferguson that really popped off this whole movement and like really put Black Lives Matter and like that whole movement obviously on the map and yeah I mean it's a fucking tragedy um the one kind of solace I could take it, it taking this is just like Breonna Taylor's family did get that 12 million settlement which only further kind of goes to prove how fucked up this whole system is they like there's no accountability for the cops but that 12 million is coming out of the taxpayers dollars you know what I mean not the cops. So, system working ex- exactly as intended. And, yeah, it's fucking enough. You know what I mean? Like, um, to kind of draw that back into the NBA, like, oh, man. I mean, I know you saw that piece yesterday, the ringer dropped, which it wasn't really a surprise, similar to how, like, my, yeah. my sadly, the reaction I had to the Breonna Taylor thing. Like, I wasn't surprised. It just pissed me off. But, yeah, the ringer dropped the bomb. Not a bomb, obviously, but. Dropped a statistic that 80% of the NBA owners are have like donated heavily to the GOP and especially Trump, while 
seemingly on the surface championing, um, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and acting like they're allies and really just doing it for just, I guess, to seem like they're tied into their players' like needs and wants, but it only just goes to prove how disingenuous that all was, and it brings you back to that dumbass Chris Mannix from weeks mm-hmm. back. Yeah. You remember him? Mm-hmm. Like, I want you. I'll let you remind the the listeners who this fucking idiot is. His, you know? Yeah, like, no. Chris Mannix was the guy who was so public with asking the media and just people in general, "What more can the owners do to help out the then, causes?" Yeah, and going off that that piece yesterday, at at a minimum, I want to shout this dude out and say, "Yeah, at a minimum, what these on what more can these owners do? Not that." You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, literally, just be about what the fuck you're talking about. How you going to, like, say you understand the Black Lives Matter movement, understand the struggle and the pain that these players are going to, these these black players are going going through, and then turn around and actually fucking enable and fund the very systems that are crippling, like, a wide swath of people, like, people of color, black folk, brown folk, all across the nation. Like, it don't add up. I mean, it adds up perfectly. It's just like the two-faced nature of being a white billionaire owner, you know what I mean? And then dudes like Chris Mannix are the ones that can actually enable him, you know what I mean? Because he's not the only one alone out there with that point of view because, like, from all intents and purposes, like, you saw that tweet. Like, he got dunked on and shit on a lot on Twitter, but there was a good portion of people that actually agree with him. And these same people probably represent the 42% that still told our current president in a favorable view. But, um... It's a sad situation all around. Fuck Chris Mannix. Like, you fucking dumb motherfucker. What more can the white billionaire owners do? Like, what they've been doing since the beginning of the time. What billionaires in this country have been doing. Funding the politicians that align with their problematic and toxic views. That continue to enable the systemic oppression that just completely just shackles and oppresses a whole fucking nation of people. But yeah. I won't get too, too depressing in the yeah. morning. But I'll throw it back to you. You know what I mean? No, uh, there's one more thing that came out last night. Uh, per uh, per the uh, per KSL Sports, I'll, I'll just read the headline. What it says: A Utah-based company issued a letter to the Jazz saying it would not be renewing its suite for the team's home games after the NBA equal rights protests. So, <laughs> <laughs> and and, Mit- and Donovan Mitchell was was one of the guys who just you know responded to it, just giving them a peace sign. But it's like it's like shit like that that people are, that companies are so brazen to. Just openly be like, no, we're not going to support you guys because you guys are participating in equal rights protests. It's like, how how much more do you need to sh- do or show that you're racist and and that racist is just so prevalent in this country? Obviously, everyone knew that it was in Utah for so many games with all the shit with Russell Westbrook and other players, but at, at least it was a little bit more on the hidden side. Trump did anything to this country is, is expose how racist this country really That's is. That's exactly what I was about to say. That's, Trump enabled these folks to say the quiet part loud. Like the right. people that were covert with their racism, you know what I mean, on the low with it. Yeah. they just been like, they got the courage now to be out and about mm-hmm. and out in the open with it, and yet people are still going to deny it. Right. Oh, my God. Now, it's... The players are continuing to play. They're They're showing their support, but I wish... I wish they took another chance at their work stoppage. I feel I felt like this that was a that was a good time to do it, but unfortunately it didn't happen. I thought that was the best move that was done the last couple of months for actual mm-hmm. potential change. <clears throat> Apart from the protests, people are protesting daily and lots of props, lots of kudos and support goes out to them who are really, you know, people going out on the streets every day in support sure, of the Black sure. Lives Matter mo- movement. As far as 
high, I mean, as far as the uh, bigger scale potential, I think the NBA protest leading to other sports protesting was was a big miss. Um, the NBA players had it had had it the had the owners in the palm of their hands. We're about to hold them accountable for their actions. Two months before the election, now we're down to about forty days before the election, and and on on other news, this isn't a, a political podcast. We only have like twenty or fifteen or twenty minutes left to go, but Trump Can isn't ready to. It? He's not ready to pass on power peacefully, is what he's saying. Oh my god! And then the thing is, somebody made a point yesterday. Like the New York Times headline or cover page did not include that Trump headline. But like flashback four years later, the New York Times. Who'd fucking enabled this Trump administration from the very start? They were blowing up all the shit about Hillary's emails. Literally daily in the last four years, we've seen bigger controversies from Trump on a daily basis than though that email fucking fiasco that turned out to be really nothing at all. But that was blown up and scared the the fucking the white racist leaning populace into fucking enabling the Trump movement. So that's my thought on that. And to your point about just like how how we see these leagues act especially the nba it just like it brings me it brings me to, to the nfl and how like they recently just started like showing like being like like there's they started showing the black lives matter and the social justice movement the due respect that at a minimum they're due for quote, the players quote unquote yeah quote yeah. unquote but they they literally from what i'm seeing right now they took the nba's playbook like I, yeah. on the surface act like you're an ally but really there's nothing going to change they're white billionaire owners and like if there was actual change kaepernick would have a job by now better yet his teammate eric reed who i know you don't follow football but last year he was a pretty good safety on the panthers he was the guy the teammate with kaepernick on the 49ers that like kneeled with him he's still out of a job and he had a good ass year last year you know what i mean Blackballing is still happening, so these leagues is fucked up. But to me, they're just like a micro, like a microcosm, and just an encapsulation of just like the problematic fucking structure in place in our country as a whole. But to segue that into kind of basketball, like you said, we're not really pol- political. But hey, if the listeners like this, we could start one. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like a spinoff. <laughs> Fuck it. Um, but uh, to segue back to the Boston series, like. Oh, I oh, people, I see. Oh, very nice. <laughs> very nice. No, nah, my, my point was, like, I saw people that night just like, oh, what's wrong with Tatum? Like, why is he not playing like himself? He don't look like himself. And, like, no, like, but then at the same, in their same breath, these reporters or the analysts are like, oh, you know, obviously the Breonna Taylor news was shocking. But then, like, a sec, split second later, like, what's wrong with Tatum? Why didn't he look like himself? Obviously, something's weighing on his mind. They went out and played a game literally hours after this, like, indictment came down. You yeah. know what I mean? And, Obviously, they're professionals. They got to do what they can to compartmentalize. But I was just shocked seeing these reporters, especially white media sports writers, just be like, hey, what's what's wrong with the Celtics? They look like they don't have, like, their foot on the gas. Like, yo, are you kidding me? Like, where's that's the cognitive dissonance that I don't get. You know what I mean? Like, how you cover a league but then not be really in tune with just the emotional pulse of what you're watching. You know what I mean? Like, and it just shows me that some media personalities are just presenting their allyship as exactly that, as a presentation, as opposed to an actual like execution of allyship. But it's a good way to I'm gonna get it. off my soapbox. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, Boston, Miami. If you want to pivot to basketball, thoughts on what's going on in that series? Yeah, I mean, or you had any remaining thoughts? I don't want to kind of like no, uh, no, you know, no, cut no, you I, short. I, I know if you guys are listening to this for the first time, Sunday's editions. It's there's no time limits to what we do. 
Um, Recording-wise, we, we just talk about anything and everything. So these topics will be brought up again this Sunday, so make sure to ch- to look out for that episode. But pivoting over to the Boston and Miami series, Miami is up 3-1. I don't know if a lot of people thought that it would, it would come out this way, but right now they have a commanding lead against Boston Celtics 3-1, especially after last game where the – never mind, where Tyler Hero – Came out and <laughs> was the hero. <laughs> He's okay. what I did there. <laughs> he came, he came out and he made history. Um, his his the according to Tommy Beer per Basketball Reference, only two players in NBA history have had multiple twenty point games in a conference finals before turning before turning twenty one. Tatum was one in twenty eighteen, and now Tyler mm-hmm. here in twenty twenty after he dropped thirty seven points. He a baller, you know, and I I'll be one of the first to admit that I underrated him a little bit. Um, earlier in the season, especially when it came to comparisons with R.J. Barrett, because against R.J. Barrett, Barrett was performing really well, and we, you know, we show that you know Barrett will likely have a, hopefully, have a better future than Tyler Hero. But the bubble has had its effect, and Tyler Hero does not shy away from big shots. We I mentioned this earlier a couple of weeks ago in, in one of the first series. Um, he is a good fourth quarter scorer and after dropping 37 points and scoring as as efficiently as he does he got a bright future in Miami he looks like Mike Miller 2.0 but better not even he looked like this might be a stretch but just how I'm seeing him operate in the pick and roll the comfort and smoothness you see especially from a 20 year old this kid is 20 like let's just repeat that over and over like um, um obviously bias aside we're RJ like fanatics here I mean I'm a big believer in his potential we got to throw it out there that, like, he didn't have the chance to look as impressive as Hero did because, obviously, he doesn't have the jumper, but also just, like, the structure that RJ was in was, like, night and day compared to, like, what Hero was in. Like, RJ was in the slums, quote-unquote. Hero was, like, in a high-rise apartment, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, in terms of just, like, the situation and environment. But that's not taking any away from what he's doing. Like you said, what the numbers you just showed, the ESPN even posted a graphic, most double-digit scoring games in the playoffs, youngest, you know what I mean? Like, like you said, Tatum was up there, Hero, and I think – the two other names, I don't remember, but I think one of them was Kareem, you know what I mean? And the other one had to be MJ or something like Probably. that. Probably. Yeah, so, like, goddamn, you know what I mean? And I don't know, like, like Hero, you see, you make the Mike Miller comparison. I'm thinking, like, this might be a stretch, as I was saying, yeah, but he's stuff. looking a little like, no, nah, I was going to say he's looking a little like Devin Booker, like another uh, Kentucky player that coming out, people didn't expect him to be a playmaker, like Hero. They just thought he was a shooter, uh, off the catch and shoot movement shooter you know running around screens and shit like booker was in kentucky he came off the bench he was a shooter but he you see what he is now and then hero i think he's showing more at the age 20 than like booker did you know because booker was didn't really you know i think booker was at that time was playing on a team that had like three point guards like Dragic, bledsoe isaiah thomas right so like he didn't really get a chance to show out with on the ball but in miami they have no qualms about just giving hero a chance to just like clear out and take over and Goddamn, bro. Like, they Miami found a nice one. Yeah. And, and his confidence was sky high before, but now Jimmy Butler out here going to practice wearing Hero's jersey. That Jimmy Butler <laughs> is an amazing teammate, and people were really trying to shit on him for being a, a quote-unquote bad teammate, but here he is supporting Tyler Hero like crazy. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going off that Jimmy Butler point real quick. Last year, 
Paul George was in the limelight. He was everybody was saying they would prefer Paul George over Jimmy. I'm on record of even I think pretty sure on our 2018 podcast editions, I was saying I take Jimmy over Paul George, even though Paul George is probably more talented. I think that actually came to fruition because like now more news has come out about the Clippers. Apparently, all the players hate Paul, uh, Paul George. Like they they, they <laughs> think he's like fraudulent. You know what I mean? Like there are players. I saw one quote was just like there are some players in the locker room that see but uh, uh, Paul George are like yo he's not better than me, but he's, like, the superstar. You know what I mean? Yeah. They don't say that shit about Kawhi. Like, Kawhi's a G. He's, like, seems to be, like, coming out of this unscathed. But unscathed. But Paul George seems to be a cancer. And then you got this dude saying, oh, I don't think we were championship or bust this year. Bro, shut the fuck up. Shut up. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> you read that? You know I mean? you, did you read that Shams article? Um, No, I just I'm, I was just touching on, like, some tweets. I saw it, was a, like you got- it was a really good article. I, I recommend it. It came out about a week ago. He was breaking out how, from an insider, the locker room was for the Clippers after that game seven loss against the Nuggets, and apparently Paul George was like, you know, sta- like standing up and t- trying to motivate everyone to go on the next round to drop in a, a game high of ten points. Um, and apparently there were people eye rolling <laughs> and just not like taking him seriously, and it's like. You know, like you said, you can't be coming and saying like, "Yeah, you know, we got to work on our chemistry." And uh, this wasn't a championship or bust season. We need to develop. We'll come in next year stronger. We got this. We got to develop as a team. Next year, we're gonna. We're, we got it next year. And it's like, dude, shot. your your last your last <laughs> shot hit the side of the backboard. You can't be talking right now. Very fucking symbolic. Like that that the fucking backboard hitting shot. Side of the backboard hitting shot is like Paul George's playoff fucking failures. Like, yeah encapsulated you know what i mean like um but yeah my point there was just like jimmy turned out to be not the cancer that pg seems to be you know what i mean but um yeah i mean we've got another conference final series if you well, want to before switch over there before we get over there. there uh game five is tonight is miami taking it home i'm on record as saying miami in six so i think boston um a couple more days removed from obviously, like not to say that the the trauma of like the Breonna Taylor like indictment or the decision didn't affect Miami as well, but um, I think for both teams, they're a couple days removed from it, and um, dealing with any kind of trauma any period of time will help compartmentalizing. So I think since we're, we'll probably get a better idea of what the holistically the basketball like matchups will be, um, and I saw Jeff Van Gunny made a good point. During, during the last game that uh Brad Stevens he won the last game but he ended up making an adjustment anyway he benched cancer and put Robert Williams in and um but then you also saw Spolstra dust off Solomon Hill of all people put him in the game played more zone um more zone than I think the last game previously and to me the chess match is crazy you know what I mean so like to round back to the prediction I think Boston in this chess match um makes their move and takes this game but ultimately, I, I got Miami winning it after after this game. So, but what about you? Who do you think got it tonight? I mean, coming back from a three-one deficit isn't common at all, unless you're the Denver Nuggets. But we'll get to that. <laughs> it's hard to root against the not root, but like it's hard to predict against the Miami Heat at this point. If they're up three-one. Mm. They'll probably win tonight, and they'll probably lose Game Six, or or seven, but. I think yeah. I I know when we when it came to to the early predictions I predicted Boston coming out of the series uh going to the finals but I think we got to look at Miami Jimmy Butler's first time in the NBA finals it's exciting 
Tell he's it'll be like him versus AD and LeBron. I mean, before we jump to that series, but I'm I'm thinking it's gonna be Lakers Miami how it looks. But him going up against that Lakers squad of AD and LeBron it just reminds me of like Cap just strapping on his fucking broken ass shield before he just walks up at <laughs> Thanos' army. Yeah, you know what I mean. And then, and then we know the what portal. happens. <laughs> yeah, and then the portals open behind Jimmy. It's Tyler Hero coming out <laughs> with, with just with threes and shit. Bam with his nice ass passes, but. Side note, Miami, LA. If there was no quarantine, I saw mad NBA reporters just tight. And that like that would have been the most lit finals ever. These motherfuckers would have been paid to go back and forth between Miami and LA. So I'm, I'm laughing at him. Yeah. Like I'm laughing at him. Like aha, that's what you fucking pompous jackasses get. You don't, you don't, <laughs> you don't get to enjoy this. Let people uh, enjoy the basketball and not like your fucking takes on what the Miami nightlife is like. Like, but yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, we could pivot over to the Western Conference Finals. Last night's game, the Lakers came away with the win. They are now up 3-1. So this is the third time in these series, or the postseason rather, that the Nuggets are down 3-1. So it's good for the Lakers that they now have a commanding lead, but it's bad for the Lakers because they have a Nuggets team that's down 3-1. This is one of the most resilient teams in NBA playoffs history right now. They got they got the Lakers right where they want them, bro. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's they they might be the most dangerous game five team of all time, so they're probably gonna win this one, and then the Lakers might try to close them out game six too. Yo, after last night's game, if I'm a Lakers fan, I don't know how how I would sleep at night because like I'm I was watching that and I was getting anxiety just because every time it looks like the Lakers are about to just pull away, Denver made that run. Like even yeah. like as much as I shit on Michael Porter Jr., the dude's a talented offensive like no kid, doubt. You know what I mean? And he just, there was that period where, like, to close out the third, he made, like, two back-to-back threes that were just, like, money, like, wet as hell. And I was just like, God damn, this kid. Obviously, the caveat that it's the bubble, no, no, no 20,000 fr- fans screaming. Even though, it, I think last time was a Denver, it was supposedly a Denver home game, but point still stands. Like, regardless of all that, it, it's, it takes fucking balls to make two big threes like that back-to-back to bring your team to within three going into the fourth. So... Um, yeah, Denver's a scary, scary team, and um, I know we talk about the 3-1 thing, but the guy across from Denver, LeBron, is very familiar as well, so if he hadn't already, he's probably telling their whole locker room, like, yeah, we gotta put our, put, put our foot on their fucking necks, you know what I mean, because, like, I made the 3-1 comeback against Golden State, we just saw Jokic and Murray do it back-to-back series, you know what I mean, so, I think Denver can take the next game, make it an interesting, like, 3-2 kind of series, but overall, I could see like LeBron and AD close it out um and I want to just go back on the fact that like LeBron and AD by far the two best players left in the playoffs would you agree I think third would probably be Jokic but would you agree like the three best player players left in this in the playoffs period right now are like in the West West Conference Finals uh yeah pretty much I don't right? think there's it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's any denying that. And LeBron did something last night that the Clip, that we wish the Clippers did, or at least Kawhi did, and that was to take on Jamal Murray one on one, defensively. Yo. That was Kawhi's was chance. Like, he didn't do it. He backed away. LeBron's like, "Yo, give me Jamal. I got him." Jamal still scored, but I mean, he did. He did. He didn't make the move for it, and he still locked him up to an extent, and they still won the game. Yeah, there was a couple possessions where, like, like you know, after some, like, Murray just, like, high-flying contortionist fucking oh, layups, yeah, like, LeBron took moves. him over. Mm-hmm. And, like, there was, like, he tried to do the same thing on LeBron, and, like, 
LeBron didn't block it, but he ended up like just affecting it so much that it was way off. And like you said, like he took on that challenge at age 36. It just brought back fucking flashbacks of him taking on the challenge in like 2011 when he guarded D Rose after the MVP year, guarded him all through the fourth quarter. And Miami LeBron was a cyborg. So for him to like right now at age 36 to take on that same kind of challenge when you see Murray just lighting it up. Yeah. Props to LeBron. I'm not the biggest LeBron fan, but you got to give respect when it's due. Yeah. And he did it against Tony Parker, too. I know. I remember that extensively because that was that was a big deal. Tony Parker, that first Miami Spurs series was going off like crazy. He had a game one winner, and LeBron's yeah. like, let me get him. And he did. Um, yeah, and they won that series. And But then the year afterwards, it's like, you know, Tony, I think in that first Miami Spurs series, Tony was, quote, unquote, the best player on the team. Remember, he was the number yeah. one option. Then a year later, Kawhi had finally arrived. You know what I mean? And that's when, like, we saw the Spurs blow the doors off Miami. But pivot back to the current day. Much props to LeBron and much props to AD. Despite the fact that these back-to-back games, he just did, like, did he just, like, I don't know, for religious reasons, choose not to be a rebounder anymore. I don't get it. Like, he just abstained like he was a willing willing participant in not rebounding. Bless you, by the way. My my, my Thank partner. You. I don't know sneezed, if that. You know what I mean? <coughs> caught the mic. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they yeah, were I mean, they were out rebounded in um what was it game three, and yeah. they definitely watched video and came out of this game out rebounding the Nuggets. Um, yeah. we, I forgot about how much, but they definitely out rebounded the Nuggets, and they knew that that was a, ki- a pivotal thing that they needed to do. To, exactly, to you got to match size with size, and I mean that's credit to Frank Vogel right there because like he made the adjustment of starting Dwight. You know what I mean? First conference final start since 2015. Um, but he had a double-double in the first half. So, like, great, great move right there. And just, like, you could tell, just, like, he had, like, spring in his legs. Like, he was just ready to play. He was just chomping at the bits. It's the Houston series. And, I mean, side note, Dwight is a no-brainer Hall of Famer. The fact that there's still people online that even argue with that is crazy to me. You know what I mean? Like, if he wins a ring, like, it's just like a – a nice bow on his resume, but he don't need a ring because, to me, he's clear-cut Hall of Famer. Would you agree? Hell yeah. People forget what he was doing just 10 years. I'm saying just 10 years ago, but, like, 10 years ago, he was a top-three player in the NBA. Number one big man for, I want to say, at least five years. For a long period of time. And that long period of time. Yeah, and no one – that doesn't just go away. You know, he did drop off after 2012 for X number of years, but he had a – very strong five years with with the Magic. I'm just saying five years. I don't know. I don't know exactly how many years it is, but it's like from 04 to 2013. He was drafted like then, but he really reached that level of of production. I want to say around like 2008, maybe. Or, I think it was 07. Like it was 08. I remember that 07 was just like in the playoff series. People were just like finally talking about Dwight. You know what I mean? He was yeah. like an 18 year old that morphed into like a 21 year old monster, but. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Like, people underrate him to this day, and it's wild to me. I just want to give him his due props, even though he is a fucking weirdo that did burn every bridge yeah. <laughs> and every other team. But I, I think, like, even selling him short at 2012, like, because I remember 2013 signed with the Rockets, and then that first two years, he did look exactly like the number two option James Harden needed. And then they just ended up hating each other, as those two dudes just end up hating whoever their other teammate is for some reason. So. Um, that's neither here nor there. Just wanted to give props to Dwight, props to Frank Vogel for the coaching adjustment. Just because I feel like his reputation took a big hit when he was t- when he was coaching Orlando for a couple of years. Remember? So to see him like you know, obviously it helps having LeBron and AD, but to see him coaching like this on the way to a Finals run, 
props to him as well. Um, I know this is a cup of coffee. We're short, but do you think it's the right moment to kind of switch to some Knicks news? You know, there's, there's some Knicks stuff to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, some, some quick highlights. Um, I think the biggest news that came out for the Knicks, at least, was an interview with Tom Thibodeau on his thoughts on the Knicks. And the key thing that he said that a lot of us fans are going to hold on to are, quote, the foundation will be the defense, the rebounding, low turnovers, and sharing the ball, trying to get to the free throw line and as many cor- as many corner threes as possible. And that's music to all of our ears because that's, that's what we would want um, for, for a Knicks team with R.J. Barry and Mitchell Robinson leading the way. And from what it looks like, they are heavy in coaching those guys, and they have the training camp started. So it, it looks like it's, it's headed in a good direction. And um, we see a couple of players, including Dennis Smith Jr., with various videos and pictures of them at training camp. Um, <laughs> yeah, you saw our picture I sent you. Yeah, my my, <laughs> my partner just sent me a a tweet from from JB. Shout out to JB from Daily Knicks. It's it's that whiteboard meme that's been going around of what Tiz is showing. <laughs> <laughs> Tiz is showing the, uh, his players, and it's basically. A picture of CP3. <laughs> Deadass, did I not make a joke in one of our podcasts? Like, there's a whiteboard, which is a picture of Chris Paul <laughs> for the front <laughs> office. It trickled down to the coaching staff. Yeah. <laughs> I see RJ just like he's leaned forward. Yeah. Like, okay, all right, that's my point guard. I see it. I see the vision. Um, but uh, wait, wait, yeah, back yeah. to Dennis Smith Jr. real quick, because I know you and I, well, you especially are, are, are a big fan of Dennis Smith Jr. and have, have, have high hopes for him. And had had had. I'm just saying. I, I you see Alex Wolf. He's like the Dennis Smith resurrection starting. I replied yeah. on Twitter. He's like with the the, the fucking Hawkeye gift. Don't give me hope. That's how I feel. I mean, this don't is give the, me a reason to be hopeful about Dennis Smith. This I is the moment in history when Dennis Smith Jr. is coming in with the lowest expectations of his whole career. So anything he does, if it's remotely productive, it'll be progress. And from his shot form, literally, it's one shot and the Strickland shot to those guys. <laughs> broke down one shot of his and it looks good. He he's not jumping way too high before the shot. He's his guide hand isn't being let go too early and doesn't no seem hitch. like he has a hitch. So, you know, knock on wood, he's he looks like he has a right shooting coach this time for him to at least get relatively decent shots. <clears throat> yeah. And going off from this, both uh, your I yeah. mean, I just wanted to slide in there just going off both your thoughts on Thibodeau and Dennis Smith. Uh Mark Berman reported that he's Dennis Smith is working closely with Thibodeau during OTAs. Like, so I think there might have been a lot of smoke to that. Those rumors about Thibodeau like loving Dennis Smith as a prospect and having hope for him. So, just wanted to slide that in there to to your kind of point about DSJ. Yeah, and RJ Barry looks like he's been working out a lot. And various scouts are not scouts, but like various members of the team are talking about how engaged he is during during these training sessions and just really pushing himself to make it to that next level. So I think that not making the, not making the rookie of the uh, rookie of the year or all rookie teams is really putting a lot of uh, momentum into his training and really pushing him to try to get to that next level, which is nice to see. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I, I want to just slide in there. RJ is probably the first rookie in a while where I'm just not worried about his mentality at, at all, bro. Like at all, like just his, like his attitude, his disposition and how to like approach the game and the work ethic and to approach the work to put in to become better at the game i'm not worried about rj at all like like i don't think i've ever been able to say that about a, about a Knicks prospect really like right away you know after the rookie season you know like there was still some qu- like frank obviously was probably comes to mind but 
it was just like we didn't even coming off his rookie year, people were just like he's too timid and shit. You know what I mean? I'm talking about like the total package, RJ's personality wise. You know what I mean? Like, have we seen a rookie like that? That's the thing. Yeah, and it's gonna be ironic, but I think Chris stops that first season. We were in love with him because it, because he did have that work ethic. He did have that surprising season that no one was really expecting. He had he was saying the right things at the right time, and Phil Jackson got involved, and that just enabled him to start tapping into his diva personality. That's true, but it's also just like the thing about Kristaps is like he did come in as like that foreigner, you know what I mean? As like the outsider to the culture, not not to benefit any kind of xenophobia. I'm um, like comparing it to RJ, like he came in comfortable right off rip as a dude that grew up like destined for stardom. Kristaps obviously like much like uh, I agree with you. He did kind of show surprisingly like to personality wise something we didn't expect. You know what I mean? We just thought he was a raw foreign kid that looked skinny as twigs coming in but nah he had some swagger to him so you know what i'll amend that you know rj is probably the most like rookie i'm like in terms of mentality disposition attitude he's the only rookie i, I haven't been worried about in, ter- in that regard since kp's rookie year you know what i mean because after kp's rookie year you're right not to make any revision in history but yeah you you're exactly right we we both just like okay we're good with this kid like he's raw but the talent is oozing his potential was oozing and um an attitude matched our KP, and I think we're going to say the same about RJ after the season. Yeah. To stay on RJ for a bit, because the point I made about, or the the thing I brought up about Thibodeau working closely with DSJ, we saw, I saw RJ was working closely with Johnny Bryant, same mm-hmm. guy that worked so closely with Donovan Mitchell and Damian Lillard, who Damian Lillard apparently confides in Johnny Bryant and sees him as like, you know, two, like they're like, they see each other as like two peas in a pod because they share that Bay Area connection, but we see. Johnny Bryant has that track record of being able to connect with these, like, wing playmakers or these guard playmakers. So I, I see him working closely with RJ. I saw that. I saw just now, obviously, Thibodeau working closely with DHA. And then Kenny Payne is working closely with Knox, Mitch, mm-hmm. and Randall. That's beautiful to me. You know what I mean? It like, is. we're specializing in development. And the guys, the coaches that are actually, like, really do uh, our best at certain positions, they're they're – paying the attention to the players at those positions. Like, say what you will about Tibbs and his defensive, like, um, reputation. He also, like, low-key underrated had a reputation of, like, empowering score-first, like, uh, combo guards. You know what I mean? Like, D-Rose is obviously the main example, but remember when D-Rose is out? I felt like every year Chicago had another just random point guard off the street that could do, like, a nice copycat version of D Rose, you know what I mean? Like that young yeah. like that little playmaker that could just keep shit going and attack the basket all the time. So if you could turn DS into just like what Nate Robinson for a period was in Chicago, remember that? He was like mm-hmm. a nice key bench player that mm-hmm. stepped in when D Rose is out for a year. DJ Augustin comes to mind as well. He had like some nice like a nice season or two with uh Thibodeau, yeah. like just filling in as a D Rose replacement. So that's my hope for DSG at this point. I'm I'm off the bandwagon of thinking he's he's gonna be a possible all star, but if you could just be like a nice six man combo guard and really just bring that presence off the bench to be our scorer. And that energy. That's an, mm-hmm. Exactly. So like you said, his expectation is so low. So if he could reach that, that's a win. You know what I mean? Yeah. Let's go for our quick wins and let's make Dennis J uh, Dennis Smith and do an actual contributor. Mm-hmm. All right. I think we're going to wrap up this episode of the Nickish Morning Cup of Coffee. We hope you guys enjoy this episode and check us out on the weekend. We have our weekly Sunday edition show where we just break out just a little bit more of whatever's going on. And look out for us on Sportscaster. We're going to be having some more live streams showing up there on Sportscaster. Check us out there. Subscribe on YouTube. 
at Nick is Show and Instagram and Twitter at Nick is Show. Um, we appreciate all your listens. Make sure you subscribe on Spotify, SoundCloud, iTunes, and we hope you guys stay safe and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Yes, sir. And uh, just want to kind of throw a quick teaser out there, if you don't mind, about our what we got planned for Sportscaster. Those of you that grew up in the 90s like we did, y'all remember Nick at Night? Nah, just saying that. Just, uh, just a quick little hint about what we got coming <laughs> on Sportscaster. But, yeah, you know, stay safe out there. Stay aware. You know what I mean? Be educated about what's going on in your country and across the world, but definitely in our country because this is our own backyard. And be ready to do what it takes to, you know, hold the powers that be accountable and at a minimum that starts with voting but yeah other than that hope y'all enjoy your friday have a great weekend we'll catch y'all on sunday yeah and real quick if you're not sure if you're registered to vote check out vote.org it's real simple i voted in the midterms and apparently i had to re-register again so make sure you double check on vote.org to see if you are 100 percent registered if you're not you can register right away and uh, just make sure you take care of it this is pivotal it's not something you should slack on so make sure you vote yeah, and on that topic, um, we as New Yorkers are familiar with this man on the name, but Mayor Bloomberg, um, that dickhead. But he actually did something really great yesterday. I was about to say. He, he, <laughs> yeah. he, um, he volunteered to throw, like, was it 15 mil? Something to cover like that. The po- mm-hmm. To cover the poll taxes that are preventing these felons from, uh, like, exercising their constitutional right to vote. Um, and then I saw the and it's government not- of Florida is trying to sue bloomberg for that or some shit right but it, yeah there's no water to it the felons but, are yeah. in florida not, not exactly New York, so i just want to make exactly yeah, yeah yeah and like for him to step in like that as as a major major thing like the only way to fight voter suppression was it was when folks with power actually even at a minimum do what they can to help right. so and it's props he, to bloomberg and before you guys before anyone says it not none of those felons are actual murderers or rapists he, he excluded those guys from from the count uh exactly yeah. and before somebody says he's bribing them to fucking vote for the democratic election let me throw it the other way are is the state of florida banning these folks from voting to support the republican candidate is that what you're telling me because that's the logic that tracks then if you say bloomberg is doing this to help democrats he's not doing this for partisan reason these folks are actual citizens that did their time that quote unquote got rehabilitated by the system and have a right to their to vote you know what i mean like i never understood why a felon yeah you committed a crime and you're a felon but you're still a citizen right constitutionally every citizen has a right to vote so i'm just saying bloomberg did his part and let's just hope that like things like that keep happening but yeah until next time i guess peace out peace